welcome back to Two Sisters on a TV, the classic TV podcast where we celebrate and remember everything, all things, and more classic TV. Today, we're going to take a look at the Nat King Cole show, which made its debut in 1956 over on NBC. It was not on very long, only ran for 14 months. So let's go ahead and take a deep dive into the show and into Nat King Cole himself. If you haven't heard of Nat King Cole, well, you're kind of missing out because he definitely was one of the most terrific and most popular and celebrated musicians in the history of music. He was born on March 17th, 1919. He actually, his birth name was Nathaniel Adams Coles. He dropped the S and became Nat Cole for professional reasons when he decided to pursue a career in entertainment. Now, where did the King come in? Well, King, word has it that one night he was playing in a club and one of the patrons there who was drunk went and got a crown, like a plastic crown, placed it on his head and said, King Cole. So that's where the King came from. And it stuck for the rest of his life and it's still sticking today. Now, he began his career in the late 30s as a jazz pianist, creating the Nat King Cole, or actually the King Cole Trio, which was the first and only black act on Capitol Records. Now, the King Cole Trio, they didn't do any singing, they just played, but they played beautifully. Nat actually began to play piano as early as four years old. His mother taught him everything that he knew about music, so he always credited that to her. But they became very popular across the country, and they were very renowned and very sought after. And then all of a sudden, one night, somewhere in the mid-40s, they were playing, and again, yet another drunken patron asked for Nat to sing. Because Nat was doing his thing on the piano. He was a great pianist, and he was doing his thing, and the guy's like, hey, sing for us, sing. And Nat initially said, we don't sing. But the manager of the place where they were playing insisted that he go ahead and comply because the guy in question was a very big tipper. He's very wealthy, very big tipper, and he did not want to lose his business, didn't want to offend him. So Nat sang for the very first time. Now, when Nat began to sing in the 40s, that's when the King Cole Trio really began to even become more successful and more, even more renowned than they had been previously. The first songs that Nat did, amongst the first songs that they did with Nat singing lead were Sweet Lorraine and Straighten Up and Fly Right, which that became a really big song for the Cole Trio. By 1950, however, Cole decided to become a solo artist. And, uh, you know, he was still close to the, to the King Cole Trio, the other members. They stayed lifelong friends. They would get together and play on occasion, but he basically became known as a solo artist. And if you are familiar with his music at all, or if you're not, some of his biggest songs were Pretend, Nature Boy, Unforgettable, Mona Lisa, Smile, Autumn Leaves, That Sunday, that summer, looking back, send for me, rambling rose, L-O-V-E, love, and of course, his version of the Christmas song, which to me personally 
It is not Christmas until I hear his version of the Christmas song, which he originally recorded in 1946, re-recorded in 1961. Now, Nat King Cole, again, very popular entertainer, wonderful voice, really nice guy, a real gentleman. However, this did not in any kind of way prevent him from experiencing severe and intense racial attacks. Now, I'll get off into that in a minute. First of all, I'd like to let you all know how we got off into Nat King Cole and how we were introduced to his music. Now, our family, big Nat King Cole fans, going back to the 1940s with our grandparents. So for me personally, when I was five years old, my family bought a Nat King Cole Christmas album. They bought it back in the 50s or the 60s. They put on this album that Christmas, and the first song on the album is a song called I'm the Happiest Christmas Tree. And the song, if you haven't heard it, I've heard it in a long time myself. It's on YouTube, I'm sure. And it was just a very catchy song, definitely a song that's very kid-friendly. And I fell in love with the song right away. Fell in love with Nat King Cole. Been a fan of his ever since the age of five. The next song on the album, I remember specifically, was about Mrs. Claus, where Nat is singing about Mrs. Claus and her role, her part in the whole Christmas extravaganza, which I thought was really interesting to hear just what her role is, how important that it is, and I thought that was the coolest song. So that was my introduction to Nat King Cole. My sister's introduction was very similar. She too was introduced to I'm the Happiest Christmas Tree as a little kid, and she too became a fan of his music, and that is why we are fans of his music today. Now, we definitely have bought, you know, albums and CDs. And of course, the YouTube has a plethora of videos of Nat King Cole and his music. There's also music on Spotify. You can buy his stuff on Amazon. You can download it. I mean, Nat King Cole's music is everywhere. You definitely can check it out. If you're not familiar with it, you can definitely take a listen. If you are fans like we are, you can definitely continue to enjoy that beautiful voice that he had. Now, as I said, Nat definitely one of the most popular entertainers within American music. And he was also very popular abroad. I mean, Nat was able to sing versions of his songs in several languages. I mean, Italian, Spanish, Japanese. He was a very talented man. And he had fans, a huge fan base all around the globe. Sadly, as I was saying, over here in America, This did not prevent him from experiencing severe attacks of racism. Now, in 1950, Nat and his family, because he had remarried his second wife, Maria, in 1948, and they had two daughters. They had Carol, who was known as Cookie, and they had Natalie, and they decided to move into a brand new beautiful house in the Hancock Park part of L.A. Hancock Park was all white and they had no minorities living there. So when it was announced that Nat King Cole and his family were gonna be moving into the area, into the neighborhood, well, his neighbors went ballistic. They had a fit. Yes, this was Nat King Cole. I'm sure they probably had music of his in their house. But it's one thing to have music by someone in your house 
and another thing altogether to be living next door to that person. And they did not want Nat and his family being their neighbors. They had a meeting, as a matter of fact. Nat attended the meeting. Someone said within the meeting, well, we just don't want any undesirables living here. And so Nat said back, well, neither do I. And should I see any, I will definitely be the first one to let you know. But Nat and his family were terrorized in the beginning when they first moved into their brand new home. First of all, there were people who went and reassessed the value of the house, claimed that he owed over $150,000 in back taxes. They were trying to seize the house. But Nat made a payment arrangement, a payment agreement to pay $100 a month until the, until the taxes were paid off. So that way they were able to keep the house. Their, do- or their dog was poisoned. Crosses were, bur- were burned in their front yard. The N-word was blazoned on their front yard. And they, even when they were out of town on vacation, someone shot into their home. Someone used a rifle and shot into their home. There also were rocks thrown at their house. Windows were broken. So they were really, really terrorized when they first moved into the neighborhood. But they were resilient. They refused to leave. They're very adamant about that. And they stayed in the home. And I think the home, Maria stayed in the home, you know, for years later. That Where the home is now, I'm not sure. But the point is that they refused to be driven out by racism. And I find that very admirable because it has been beyond scary to experience such horrific acts being aimed at them solely because of race, because of skin color. Now, after this happened in Alabama, which was Nat's home state, actually, in 1956, he was on tour, touring through the South. He made a stop in Alabama, and during a concert, he was brutally attacked by six white men. They had planned out this attack. They were going to kidnap him, as a matter of fact. Don't know exactly what they were going to do once they kidnapped him don't know if they had plans to take his life or to do him physical harm or to try to, you know, uh, hold him for ransom. That really, those details to this day are still very sketchy. But he was in the middle of performing. He was in concert. All of a sudden, a man came from the bottom of the stage and grabbed his legs. Another jumped on stage and assaulted him. Fortunately, the cops were there and they jumped into the mess immediately, very quickly. And they arrested and apprehended all six of the males in question. And the attack was fortunately able to be thwarted. Of course, Nat decided to end the tour right then and there, and I don't think he ever went down south again, or if he did, I think he did go back down south, but it was a while before he, you know, did any more performances down south. Well, 1956 was the year that his TV show made its debut over on NBC. Now, there had been other African-American performers to try to do a weekly series, their own weekly TV show on TV. It unfortunately had not worked out for them. Hazel Scott tried in 1950. Billy Daniels tried in 1952, but those shows really didn't go anywhere. A lot of people were not really familiar with either one of them. 
but Nat King Cole was different. He was a household name. Everyone, everyone knew Nat King Cole. Everyone knew him. He had number one hits. Everyone liked his music. He was very much celebrated, very well known. And he had been on the Ed Sullivan show. Had been on What's My Line. So we all knew. You know, people all knew who he was. They were very familiar with him. So they felt that a TV show being hosted by him could help Bud succeed. It was definitely going to be a success. So the show made its debut on November the 5th, 1956 over on NBC. It was originally 15 minutes long and it ended up becoming a half hour show in July of 1957. Now, the show was, there were episodes on YouTube. There are episodes on YouTube. I've watched a couple. You know, I've seen the Nat King Cole show before. There was a network. Can't remember. Was it the Aspire Channel? Maybe this was over, well over 10, 15 years ago when they were bringing the Nat King Cole show. I don't remember if it was Aspire, but there was a channel on cable bringing the Nat King Cole show on a couple of times a week. And so, you know, we're familiar with it. We've seen it. Very classy show. Very sophisticated, very elegant, first rate. Now, again, if you haven't seen the Nat King Cole show, there are episodes on YouTube in their entirety, so you can, you know, check them out for yourself. But the show definitely was of a very high standard. And the ratings were good. Now, doing research for this episode, I ran across an article that claimed that the ratings were, that you know, the ratings were not that great, but I've always heard that the ratings for that show were very, very good. Everywhere I've ever read, every documentary I've ever seen about Nat King Cole, everyone claims that the ratings were good. So this particular, um, you know, claim that the ratings were not that great, I kind of find that hard to believe, to be honest, because I've always heard the complete opposite. But the show was very intelligent. It was very, I mean, it was just really likable. You know, basically it was, you know, Nat, of course, singing his own songs, you know, singing covers of other songs. You know, there were some, you know, skits. And of course you had the guest performers. Now, pretty much everyone in Hollywood liked Nat King Cole. He's very beloved within the industry amongst his peers. And so he had a, you know, definitely a lot of, you know, other entertainers go on his show and appear amongst them, Betty Hutton, Tony Bennett, Eartha Kitt, Mel Torme, Harry Belafonte, Frankie Lane, Peggy Lee, Ella Fitzgerald, Hugh O'Brien, Sammy Davis Jr., Count Basie. So he definitely was not at a loss for guest stars to come on the show. The problem about the show was... He could never get a national sponsor. Now, he was able to get local sponsors. For example, uh, Rheingold Beer in New York was a regional sponsor. So that was something that was not difficult for him to do to get local sponsors. Another local sponsor was Gallo and Thunderbird Wines in L.A. Also, Regal Beer in New Orleans was a local sponsor, as was Coca-Cola in Houston. The problem was that no national sponsor would support the show. And your TV shows are expensive to produce. They're expensive to to have. They always have been. The cost is great to do a TV show. So unfortunately, the fact that no national sponsor would support the show meant that the show was in financial dire straits pretty much from the very beginning. 
But as I said, Nat was very beloved within Hollywood, within the industry, amongst his peers. So everyone who went on his show to perform, they all went on his show at the usually, they usually when guest stars appear on a TV show, or this is how it used to be, I don't know how it is now, probably the same way, they usually have a specific scale uh, pay rate that they will appear on a TV show for. They don't, you know, go beneath that. It's pretty much an ironclad deal. But people want to support Nat so much and support his show that they would go on his show at a much lower rate. Some reportedly even went on his show for free. That is how much they wanted Nat's show to succeed that is how much they want Nat to be a success in hosting his own TV show. But the show, of course, continued on. NBC really wanted to support it, really wanted, you know, to keep it on the air, really, you know, backed it as best as they could. They really wanted to work with Nat. They really, you know, they, they liked Nat, really wanted to support him. But again, no national sponsor would, would support, would back the show. And the reasons why, according to what I looked up when doing research for the episode, the reasons vary. One, well, an intelligent show hosted by a black man wouldn't work. Because according to one of the articles that I read, the only kind of black shows that would be acceptable on TV were shows like Amos and Andy and Beulah comedies, lighthearted shows, where in Beulah, of course, the main character, you know, she was a maid. Not putting down Beulah, not at all. This, this is what I read. I'm not putting down Beulah or Amos and Andy. I happen to like both of those shows. I watch Amos and Andy all the time, and that's definitely an episode for another day. But that is what one of the claims was made in one of the articles that I read. That in Amos and Andy, some of the characters were not very bright, not very smart. Of course, in Beulah, the main character was a maid. And with Nat King Cole having his own show, well, you know, that was going to be a little bit of a threat. Now, whether that's all true or not, I don't know. It, 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 some people probably did have that mindset. It is definitely, definitely possible. But that's why, according to this article, um, no national sponsor was going to back the show. The main reason why it was claimed that a national sponsor would not back Nat's show was because the fact that they didn't want to, you know, lose their Southern customers. You know, they had their white Southern people to think about. You know, they didn't want to offend them. They didn't want them to stop buying their products. and They lose all of that money down South. That was the main reason why no national sponsor would support the show. Now, Carter's, Carter Products, which, you know, produced Arid, deodorant, you remember Arid? Arid was around, and I think they still have Arid today, I think. But I remember Arid, the Arid commercials in the 70s. Arid, um, you know, uh, Carter Products, rather, supported the show, backed the show very briefly, but they quickly pulled out because they just couldn't deal with the pressure. You know, I mean, supporting an African-American man's show was just not very popular. They didn't, you know, people said it was not a logical thing to do. It was risky. It was dangerous. It was not feasible. It was not financially smart, not financially sound. So after a few months, they pulled out. Now, according to Nat, 
They had some really, really big sponsors who were thinking about coming on board, but they too chickened out. I mean, some people think that they were threatened. Some people think that they just caved under the under the pressure because it sounds silly now, but you have to think this was the 1950s. And I mean, supporting a black man's show was just not a good idea. I mean, it was just something that was going to bring about some really negative repercussions, particularly down south. And so these big sponsors, because according to Nat, there were three really, he didn't give the names, but there were three really huge sponsors who were going to back the show. But before they, you know, fully committed, they decided that, you know, they changed their minds. They didn't want the trouble. They didn't want the hassle. They didn't want to be involved. And of course, it was all very frustrating for Nat. Nat loved doing the show. He enjoyed it. He was good at it. This was something different for him. And he really wanted to keep the show going and he enjoyed it. And he put all of his time and energy and effort into the show. So it was really disappointing for him that he did not have the sponsorship that he needed on a national level. Now, according to Variety and the New York Times, I mean, like I said, there was that article I should have written down who wrote this article. I'm sorry I didn't write th- that down. But um, they were saying that the ratings were not very good, that the audience was very small. Well, according to both Variety and the New York Times, they gave the show stellar reviews. They gave the show stellar reviews. And I mean, they had nothing but good things to say about it. But... Um, You know, as I said, Nat kept the show going as long as he could. And like I said, his peers in Hollywood were very supportive and they jumped on board. And like I said, they, you know, he had great guest stars because like I said, they wanted to help out. They wanted Nat to be successful. They wanted the show to be successful. So they would come on and they were, you know, like I said, the show was terrific. If you haven't seen it, I definitely, once again, implore you to go over to YouTube and check out an episode and see it for yourself. But by 1957, um, again, NBC wanted to keep the show going. But Nat, after 14 months of doing this show, he reluctantly decided to end it himself. It was not canceled. He made the very difficult decision, very painful decision, no doubt, to bring the show to a close. There were two reasons why he really decided to do it. One, he got tired of his fellow peers working basically for nothing. He felt that he was taking advantage of them. He didn't want them to see him in a negative light. He didn't want to wear out, you know, his welcome, if you will, in regard to his fellow performers. So that really began to bother him because they were basically at one point working for nothing or, you know, working for very, very little. And he just did not want to continue to, to, to do that to, you know, his friends and like I said, fellow performers. The second reason was that NBC decided to move the show from Saturday nights, I'm sorry, from Tuesday nights to Saturday nights. And that was something that, you know, he felt that that was going to hurt his ratings because on Saturday over on ABC, because this was the day of the Western. And there were two very popular Westerns over on ABC. One was Cheyenne, I believe. The other, I can't remember the name of it. But with the Nat King Cole show going up against those two very popular Westerns, he felt that really the show didn't stand a chance and that his ratings were going to really dip. 
and he was dealing with enough with the whole financial aspect of it and not being able to get a sponsor on a national level. The last thing he wanted to do was for his ratings to dip. So he ended the show and the last episode aired on December the 17th, 1957. He decided to, at the end of the show, everyone who guest starred, everyone who appeared and performed on his show, their names were all listed on a slow crawl on the screen. And uh, I haven't seen the last episode. It's possibly on YouTube. I have not checked. But again, Nat took that really hard, according to his wife, Maria. It was something that he really was devastated by. He actually wrote an article for Ebony Magazine. It appeared in 1958. We talked about the whole experience and what it was like and how he called himself the Jackie Robinson on TV, of TV. And, uh, you know, he talked about what it was like being in that position and having to bring his show to a close. Nat King Cole was also a very nice man, very laid back, easygoing, um, very likable, very affable. He really didn't dwell on it too, too much in the media after he did the article for Ebony. He did say famously, he famously said that Madison Avenue was afraid of the dark. That was pretty much his last comment about the whole situation. And after the show ended, he continued, of course, to record and tour, perform, and do TV appearances. He won a Grammy Award in 19, 1959. He received a star in the Walk of Fame at around 1960. And so he continued to do what he did best. You know, he continued, like I said, to stay active in the music industry and just continued to do what he loved. By 1964, by the latter part of that year, he began to feel ill began to experience, you know, some, you know, serious, you know, bouts of illness. So he went to the doctor, had some tests run. And by the latter part of that year, by that November or December, it was discovered that he had lung cancer. Nat was a heavy smoker. He was a very heavy smoker. He, if anything, felt that the cigarette smoking that he did made his voice sound better made it more smooth and silky. That was what he thought. Now, Nat, at one point, you know, he was, this this was before the show, before his show, Nat had a very intense work schedule. He was pretty much a workaholic. And at one point he ended up with a bunch of ulcers and he collapsed on stage during a concert. And as a result, he had to have half of his stomach removed. Well, during that period of time, he briefly gave up smoking. But as soon as he, I think he gave it up for like about three months. But as soon as he was able to do so, he went right back to the cigarettes. So Nat, like I said, he had his, one of his lungs was removed. And he was under the impression that, you know, he was going to be able to recover and continue to, you know, back, go back to living his life, go back to performing, go back to recording and touring and just living his life, being with his family and enjoying life, but he did not realize just how sick he was. His wife, Maria, kept the truth from him. His doctors kept it from him. Although he had a lung removed, the cancer had already spread and it gotten really out of control by that point. So sadly, on Monday morning, February the 15th, 1965, around 5.30 a.m., Nat King Cole passed away in his sleep 
He was only 45 years old. I remember my mom telling us several times that um, that morning when she got to school, her homeroom teacher was openly weeping due to the death of Nat King Cole. She said it was a pretty sad and solemn day at school that day because I said this was a Monday and, um, you know, this is a school day for her. And she said that it was really sad, really solemn day around school. Her mother was really saddened by his passing. She wept as well. And uh, yeah, Nat Nat King Cole's death really did affect a lot of people. It affected Hollywood affected no doubt of course his family first and foremost and uh, affected his fans Matt left behind his wife Maria and his two daughters Carol and Natalie along with um, two twin daughters and a son named Kelly and uh, you know it definitely was a shock because people didn't realize just how sick he was Nat did not know how sick he was and so it was a shock because Maria and the doctors really kept it under wraps kept it a secret Maria would release, um, you know, statements to the press, supposedly from Nat, but they were really from her. So it was a big shock to Hollywood as well as a shock to his fans. It was a shock to his kids even. Natalie, his daughter Natalie, who became a huge successfully, uh, hugely successful singer in her own right in the 70s and 80s and throughout the 90s, was in boarding school. And she was shocked to find out that her father had passed away. She did not know how sick he was. She went home for Christmas. She didn't realize how ill he was. And when she got the word that he had passed, she was absolutely stunned. She was only 15 years old. And uh, so it was devastating for so many people. Now, his funeral was held on the 18th of February with 400 people in attendance and thousands more gathered outside the church lining the streets near the church. Jack Benny delivered the eulogy, and among those in attendance were Danny Thomas, Jerry Lewis, Frank Sinatra, Danny Kaye, George Burns, Peter Lawford and his wife Pat, and Sammy Davis Jr. Of course, as for the TV show that replaced Nat's show, it was a game show called Treasure Hunt. It was replaced, uh, that replaced Nat's show, and it was hosted by the comedian Jan Murray. I don't think it was on for too long. But um, as I said, Nat has a beautiful musical legacy, wonderful legacy. Um, if you ever in L.A., if you ever seen Capitol Records, was I was in L.A. not too long ago, several months back, and we went by Capitol Records, and they still refer to Capitol Records as the house that Nat built, because Nat was on Capitol Records, and his record sales were so phenomenal and so successful that that's why Capitol Records is became the big success that it became because of Nat King Cole. Every time I look at that building, he is the first person I think of. Capitol Records also, you know, you had Frank Sinatra there for a while and Dean Martin, the Beach Boys. But I always think about Nat King Cole first and foremost whenever I think of Capitol Records. And whenever I see that beautiful building in L.A. at the corner of Hollywood and Vine. But, um, yeah, as I said, Natalie Cole became a big singer. His daughter became a successful singer in the 70s. She, too, won many Grammy Awards. Her story 
very, very compelling. There are videos, biographies about Natalie Cole on YouTube. Natalie Cole's style was different for many years. She wouldn't touch her father's music for years. She wanted her own style, which she definitely had. Some of her hits include Sophisticated Lady, Addie Mae, Inseparable, This Will Be, Our Love, Pink Cadillac, Mr. Melody, and of course in the 90s when she touched her father's music for the very first time, and she did that unforgettable Grammy, multi-Grammy winning duet with him, Unforgettable. But um, as for the next African-American performer to try their hand at a variety show or a TV show, that would be Sammy Davis Jr. in 1966. But his show was not on very long because the ratings just were not that good. The next successful um, uh, TV show hosted by or starring an African-American was Julia in 1968, starring Diane Carroll. Now, when it comes to the next successful variety show hosted by an African-American person, that would be the Flip Wilson show, which made its debut also on NBC in 1970, ran for for four years, ending in 1974. That, of course, was a hugely successful TV show. Clips of it, once again, on YouTube. But Nat King Cole, like I said, one of my favorites, one of our favorites, family favorite, um, one of the best. And uh, it was our honor to bring this episode to you today as we took a look back at his very short-lived, unfortunately, but very unforgettable TV series, The Nat King Cole Show. We'll be back with next week with a brand new episode. As for what that episode will be about, well, we're not really sure. We're kicking around a couple of ideas, but I'm sure that it'll be something that you'll enjoy. Thank you for joining us today as we take a look back at Nat King Cole's TV show. Thank you for your time and thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and following. Thank you for your support. It is beyond invaluable. So until our next episode next week, until that brand new episode drops, we'll see you all then.